Hello everyone and thank you for joining us. I am joined here today by Vanita Israni. Welcome Vanita. Thank you, it's lovely to be here. Now you're in Sydney today, we were just uh, chatting before about the miserable weather that Sydney's been having. Um, kind of looking forward to the opportunity for the rain to stop and to be able to get outdoors. Definitely, but uh, probably with a mask. Definitely with a mask at the moment. Definitely with a mask. I know um, we haven't gone quite down the path in Sydney, at least, of mandating masks on um, when people are outside. But uh, seeing a few more about it, I don't know what your experience has been so far. Yeah, definitely. I think um, I I don't own a car in Sydney, so public transit is is my mode of transit. So it's, uh, it's nice to be... No, when you're in close proximity with someone else, just mm. to have a mask as an extra safeguard when in the situations we may not be able to social distance. I, I was surprised yesterday. I was on the um, train and light rail, the tram in Sydney yesterday, and I was surprised by how few people were wearing masks, um, even on a peak hour train. So I caught a train at like 8.40 a.m. <laughs> um, and maybe... 10% of the people who were on the train were wearing masks, um, which is quite surprising, I have to say. Yeah, I think there, uh, there needs to be kind of a culture shift to kind of accepting wearing masks. And, mm. you know, I, I wear glasses and, and contacts, but whenever I wear glasses, it's a, I've learned how to breathe with a mask on, with glasses yes. on. Yep. So it was, a, it was a fun venture. So still learning something new every day. Yes. Yeah. And especially during winter on these um, sort of cold and, and rainy days, I was um, fogging up quite a lot. I haven't quite got my handle on that trick yet, but um, mm -hmm. uh, I was fogging up quite a lot as I was wandering around yesterday. But anyway, <laughs> now you are at Qantas. Yep, that is correct. Tell me. What has life been like at Qantas over the last four or five months during this pandemic? Yeah, so um, as I'm sure a lot of people have heard, Qantas has gone through quite a transition um, and kind of more largely the entire aviation industry has gone mm -hmm. through quite a transition. Um, so I, I think it definitely has depended on the, the team that you're on. Um, what kind of work you're doing and I and kind of even more broadly you know we see it in the economy where we've kind of divided our workforce into essential workers and non-essential workers and that comes down to the you know a specific airline industry too so um, mm -hmm. our operational staff have been you know still working have been going strong versus some of the staff that aren't required have been furloughed or stood down so yeah. It, it has just depended on kind of where you are in the business and, and what mm. that looks like. That must have a huge impact on uh, everybody's mental well-being and their anxiety levels, um, having that going on around you. I think Qantas has tried to do a good job of not only monitoring where kind of employee morale is at, but also providing resources. Um, and some of the things that I feel like our team leaders have done really well from the beginning was um, uh, asking us 
to really think about our personal situations. Um, you know, working from home is easy to say, oh, this is, is pretty simple, but if you have younger kids that maybe aren't going to school um, or, you know, older parents that you may be taking care of, those are definitely different circumstances. So um, it's, it's kind of not only understanding where you're at and what you can actually be able to do, but also having the leniency to say, you know, it's okay if today I only worked two hours because the two hours I worked were very effective and then I can, um, you know, step away from my computer and be able to enjoy time with my family. Yeah, we've seen quite different responses to um, changes in productivity. Let's put it that way. Um, yep. And how uh, individuals, and I, I'm speaking from, from my experience with Meld Studios and, and our, our team, where we have uh, uh, quite a few of us have children, um, mm -hmm. some as young as two, all the way through to 15, 16, mm -hmm. um, and seeing the impact that that has on our ability to uh, focus for long periods mm -hmm. of time. Um, so we've seen that people who have younger kids tend to be disrupted more frequently. Um, mm -hmm. And just acknowledging that and being able to say, if you're being disrupted or interrupted on a frequent basis, then you probably aren't in a position to do long focused tasks well. Mm -hmm. um, because you keep losing your focus and having to find it again. So maybe think about breaking your day up into a series of 15 or 30 minute tasks instead. Yeah. And, and, and save those longer activities for, for a different time. Yeah, definitely. I think um, morning routines um, mm -hmm. and kind of end of the day routines become really crucial here. So whether that means, you know, waking up and having a glass of tea before everyone else gets up um, just to have that me time and it doesn't even have to be work related, but it kind of helps you understand and break up your day. Um, mm. I've been trying to do only five things a day, um, which sounds Okay. Small, but just helps with, okay, if these are the five things I have to focus on, what, what does my day look like? Um, and just having more what I call white space. Yeah. Um, and I know that's, it's called different things in different places. Google calls it 20%, whatever mm -hmm. that is, but mm -hmm. doing something that really um, motivates you and drives you and empowers you um, about your work. Because I think, especially in this climate, when you're working pretty you're working from home, you're working remotely. Um, I work on a distributed team, so not everyone is in Australia as well. Mm -hmm. um, it keeps it keeps you engaged and it's it uh, I wouldn't say prevents burnout because I think burnout is also something in our society at the moment is actually pretty chronic, um, yeah. but it at least helps with keeping that engagement keep, keeping just a healthier and balanced lifestyle. Mm. You're talking about burnout at UX Australia. I, mm -hmm. One of the questions um, that sort of pops up for me is the idea of how do you recognise that you are burning out or that you mm -hmm. have burnt out? Yeah. So I think we all, uh, what I've realised, and at least in my personal experiences and, and talking to a few people, is that um, you basically don't realize it until you've hit rock bottom. Um, you kind of, 
wake up in a, in a moment or maybe a series of moments where you realize that, oh my goodness, everything seems overwhelming, I'm not getting anywhere, and the effort that you're putting in is definitely outweighing the reward that you're getting. Right. So, and, and part of that is a lot around mindfulness, right? And how can we keep in touch with ourselves about what is going on and, and trying to be present and trying to understand how not only your mind is feeling, but your body is feeling. So um, there's a lot of uh, great science and research around how about, you know, body language and body posture. And if you can see yourself, you know, having hunched shoulders at a, uh, when you're in front of your computer, I was going to say at a meeting, but I know mm. that's changed now. Yeah. Um, or just going into a meeting and feeling like just your, you know, your entire your eyebrows are clenched, your hands are, you know, pretty just, again, clenched, and you feel annoyed about why am I having this meeting? Um, it's understanding that, okay, your body is telling you something right there, that this is something you don't want to do. And I think as creatives, especially, we take on quite a bit of what I call emotional labor um, mm -hmm. around the kind of work we do, because in a lot of ways, I think designers are kind of the glue. They're between research, visual design, they're talking to product managers. Um, even as a strategist, you're talking to senior leaders. Mm -hmm. you're, you're kind of that in-between. And because you're that in-between, in you're taking a lot of that um, emotional labor on yourself. And I think it, it makes you more prone to burnout. Um, there's a lot of studies that also show that um, women are more likely to burn out because they are doing that emotional labor, uh, much more so both in their personal and their professional lives as well. It's yeah. a, a, a compounded challenge, I think, at the moment with so many of us working at home, mm -hmm. um, where that that emotional labor, and as you say, it, it, it absolutely disproportionately falls to women um, to undertake that work. Mm -hmm. um, and now in the home, um, having all of it at the same time, the, the emotional labor of the domestic environment coupled with the emotional labor of the work environment um, mm -hmm. is like does seem to be um, compounding these issues um, just on top of one another at the moment, in, in, in particular for women. Yeah, I think those boundaries, um, those boundaries just become non-existent. And I think we also, again, as kind of creatives and particularly towards women as well, is that there's this concept of hustle culture. Yeah. Um, that, you know, you're, you're creative, so you have five side projects going as well as your work, plus a personal life and a social life. And so with working from home, all of that has been tipped on its head. Yeah. So all of those boundaries don't exist anymore. And I think that's what's causing, um, like, basically pandemic burnout. And yeah. um, uh, Anne Helen Peterson actually gave a talk a couple of weeks ago at, at a Adobe 99U conference and talked about this a little bit about how, you know, burnout is actually a bit, it, it's just chronic because of the culture that we're in. Mm -hmm. um, we're constantly striving. We're constantly doing all these things. And it's just that the pandemic has exacerbated it. Yeah. Exacerbated it. It's just too, it's a bit too much um, all at once. So 
I, I was uh, reading something the other day and I, I, I wish I could um, recall exactly where it was. Um, but there was a, a, a study looking at um, people's attitudes towards returning to the workplace, um, mm -hmm. you know, sort of getting out of this working from home situation, um, you know, their desire to be back in the, in, in the workplace. Um, and it was um, predominantly the men who wanted to get out of the house. Mm. Um, and uh, when they sort of dug into it a little bit, um, it was also predominantly the men who felt like it was harder to work at home because there were all of these other things going on that were distracting them. Whereas mm -hmm. normally they just ignore all of it and go to work. Um, <laughs> and, and now they were having to, you know, like they were faced with being at home, their partner being at home and there being these things to do and the question being asked, well, we're both working, so why am I the one who has to do the emotional labour? Why am I Definitely. the one who needs to, you know, make sure that the kids are ready for bed? Why am I the one making sure that they're ready for school and their lunches are made, you know? Um, and, and, and their response has been, instead of necessarily stepping up and taking on that load, is to go, I actually want to go back to the workplace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to get back to the office. <laughs> which is kind of disappointing to read. Yeah, definitely. I think um, kind of, <laughs> it's really funny. I have actually a team member who it, it switched. So um, while his uh, wife was the primary caregiver because of the stand downs and the pandemic, um, he became the primary caregiver mm -hmm. and she was still working and he um, kind of said that he's like, this is amazing. He's like, I don't know. If I do want to go back to work, I was like, and he's, yeah. he um, loves the aviation industry mm -hmm. a lot and loves Qantas a lot and has been there for a long time. So it's kind of surprising, but I think, again, it, it goes towards, this is a underlying current of like a problem that's existed for a while and the pandemic is just really highlighting why there's some of these inequalities in the way that we've either thought about our work and our professional lives or our personal lives and where that um, burden of effort actually lies. Yeah. So it, think, it's, I'm hoping that this is actually a point for change, right? So it's, it's a reflection point for a lot of people um, as things, you know, I'm, I'm sure that there's going to be a lot more career transitions as we start going back into the workforce. There's going to be a lot more um, just, you know, personal life changes because it's such a great inflection point to say, hey, why have I been thinking about this this way? Obviously, the circumstances changed and what can I do about it? Yeah, it's, it's interesting to see uh, a lot of conversations going on around where people live. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, in, in a lot of cases, to do our type of work and the sort of work that we do quite often mm -hmm. means living in a city um, mm -hmm. it, it, it may mean living in one of several cities, but it's typically, you know, you, you need to work in, in Australia somewhere like Sydney or Melbourne or Brisbane mm -hmm. um, in order to do this kind of work. And what, we, what has been demonstrated to a lot of people is that that doesn't necessarily have to be the case, that you can actually do this work from anywhere. Um, mm -hmm. And, 
you know, if we're able to collaborate across suburbs virtually, then we can collaborate anywhere. What we need is a bit of uh, space and a, a solid internet connection and, mm -hmm. and we're away. Um, so we're seeing uh, quite a few people start to think about instead of working so that they can have time off to enjoy a lifestyle on the weekends or when they take holidays, could, could they not combine those two things and live in the place that provides them the lifestyle and still be able to do this work? So we've seen people start to think about, well, I, I might go and live in Orange. I might go mm -hmm. and live in Mudgee. I might find a place down in, down the coast at Berrie or on the north coast up around Taree or, you know, Coffs Harbour or something. There's no reason for me to be here in Sydney or here in Melbourne. I could actually be anywhere. Definitely. And I think it's um, urban planners at the moment are trying to wrap their heads around that as well. So yeah. the, there's a concept of a agglomeration economy, which is basically why cities exist, mm -hmm. um, which is if there's people in the same network that the labor is shared, that there's resources that are pulled together and that there is a um, pollination of ideas across people because we're all in the same proximity. Yep. So I'm curious to see how businesses really adapt to that um, yeah. because there are some things that I think, you know, there's a lot of the concept of like Zoom fatigue because you're not mm -hmm. in the same room as someone you're spending a lot more mental energy trying to understand their body language and what they're trying to say. Yep. And so, and that, again, that's one of the, the causes of kind of pandemic burnout is because you're um, putting so much effort into something that might be a lot easier when you were in person. Sure. Um, so I'm curious to see how these business models adopt um, mm. these practices and adapt their business models too, because for example, like Twitter said that they're going to be entirely remote, which um, is amazing from a employee perspective to say like, hey, I can live anywhere. But at the same time, I wonder when it comes down to the cost of running the business, where, where are they going to draw that line? Um, uh, what are the things that they're going to say? Nope, you can't because X, Y, and Z, we need to make at least this much for whatever reason. And one of the, one of the fascinating things that I have seen uh, around that conversation. So like the, the, the positive side of it is that you can work from anywhere. You can choose to live anywhere you want. Um, you know, as long as you can uh, connect to the internet, you know, we, we as a business will allow you to be wherever you want. Um, mm -hmm. And obviously the benefit to the business is that we're no longer maintaining expensive physical infrastructure and furniture and, lighting yep. and food and you know facilities and, and all the rest of it um that, that we otherwise do and i early on in the the pandemic and the lockdowns i was reading something that says on average a business spends something like sixteen and a half thousand dollars per year per employee mm -hmm. on physical infrastructure mm -hmm. so all of those things that i've just talked about mm -hmm. versus $2,000 a year for remote work yep, or, or you know, working from home. Um, but one of the big differences, obviously, is that on the one hand, 
the business is paying that $16,000 per year. And in the other, it's up to you to spend the $2,000. So not only am I saving money, but I'm actually pushing the extra expense onto you instead of, instead of me. Um, and so there's been like a, a, a little bit of discussion around, well, how do businesses handle that? Um, mm -hmm. And how do we ensure that individuals aren't wearing the cost of that shift mm -hmm. yeah i think and there's a couple of businesses that have actually um rolled out basically a kind of office home office fund um so for example i know that apple you're allocated a certain amount to be able to go buy your ergonomic office chair or your um you know keyboard rest yeah, okay. so that you can actually work at a 90 degree angle so there's there's a couple of companies um, mm. i'd say more than a couple that are really encouraging their their employees to make the most out of their home office environment and are willing to pay for that um mm. with that said i i don't think it's the majority um mm. no, especially if you work in different sectors um you know tech has a lot of uh, dispensable income <laughs> to be able to provide those kinds of benefits, but that doesn't cut across every industry. So no. um, I think, yeah, it's, it's that, how do we actually maybe take that onus on to back into the business um, mm. as well as like understanding that employees aren't, you know, productive robots every day. Yes. So um, I've had a couple of team members actually request to work less days a week yep. um, because they're just like, it's actually been lovely to be able to have more of a personal life and spend time with their loved ones than mm. having to, you know, have to commute and then come home um, and working five hours, five days a week, potentially more depending on you know the the workload and where they're at yeah. so it's it's also been i think it's also on the onus of the employee and the individual person to kind of push back and yes. say hey the, these are my boundaries which is i'm only going to work three days a week and i'm going to work eight hours each day and be really focused but that's mm. that's where i'm at and in order for me to be able to achieve that um this this is what i need so those social contracts need to yeah. be verbalized in some sense signed you know yep. if it if it needs to be if we if we need to go to that step then that's what it is but um mm. again it, it comes down to to mindfulness and i know that's that word is probably overused um in the last couple of months but at the same time it's like if you can recognize what you need and stand up for it yeah. then it makes that conversation with someone with a company with a peer even right um mm. who's maybe sending out emails at you know god knows what o'clock a.m is like hey i'm you can send it but i'm actually not going to do it um, yep. i have a i have a team member um who actually has that written out at the bottom of her email signature Okay. Um, that says, you know, I'm a busy mom of two. And while I may be sending emails at whatever time, um, mm -hmm. you're not, I, I'll only be responding during these hours and yep. don't feel the pressure to respond or, uh, outside of these hours as well. Yeah. So just That's very, good. you know, mm -hmm. just really simple things like that, where it's yeah. like, you know, this is her personal boundary. She knows what her priorities are and mm -hmm. she's um, living out her social contract that she's created for herself. Yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated to see, because I, I, I think we're only just beginning to see the repercussions of some of these shifts in the workplace. And I'm, <laughs> I'm really interested to see how 
uh, workers with less negotiating power, let's put it mm -hmm. that way, um, yep. are able to um, achieve that same sort of balance. And um, I, I'm, I haven't yet seen um, any kind of clear action on the part of some of our labour unions around or trade unions around these sorts of issues. Um, yep. But I, I'm, I'm certain that they're going to come and it'll be really interesting to see how we strike that balance so that people can actually put in place those, uh, put in place that social contract, put in place those boundaries mm -hmm. um, and ensure that we're able to get the most out of ourselves um, broadly, not just mm -hmm. work, productive, yep. but actual, yep. you know, like quality of life. 100%. And I think another thing for some of the, the workers that may not have that negotiating power is to keep in mind that um, those, you know, union agreements, social contracts, etc, were created a long time ago. Mm. Um, and it's to understand the, like the world that we live in now is very different. Mm. And so maybe it's been something that we've been kind of putting off that like, oh, you know, uh, I'll, th this is fine because this is the way it's always been, but mm. that's not really an excuse anymore. Um, it's like, how can we really rewrite whether that's public policy, larger yeah. labor union agreements? Like we, we have, we can use this time as an opportunity to, to kind of really think, rethink how we want the future of work to, to proceed. Absolutely. Vanita, thank you very much for that it's been lovely chatting with you and we uh we look forward to hearing a lot more from you in a few weeks time at ux australia yeah thank you so much it was great to have this conversation thank you very much we'll talk to you thank soon you. thanks bye